Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Startup Soiree Podcast. This is your host, Patrick Wright, bringing it to you from the picnic table here at Pixelated HQ. Uh, it's a beautiful day. We've had a lot of rain and some warm weather, so all of the snow is finally gone. Uh, just a few days away from the February Startup Soiree event with B. Cole. Going to be talking about building an innovation economy. Um, I am excited uh, today to have Tabore and Jamar from Six Point Pictures here. Uh, some filmmakers in our city that are also up to a lot of really cool community and social good. Um, so without further ado, guys, welcome to the Startup Soiree podcast. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> so the way we kick it off is usually giving you a minute or two to kind of give a little background about each of yourselves. So why don't you take turns doing that? Do you want to start off? Sure. Um, I am a Baltimore native and uh, growing up in Baltimore, um, I've dabbled in so many different art forms um, and it ended up being more of a auditory music love. Um, so I ended up being a DJ for a while. And you know, DJing, making music, and things like that going forward, and it just kind of spread out from there. And then I ended up going into film when I was in uh, undergrad at Morgan State University. So uh, from there, I just you know, flourished into a film career um, after working with Red Bull, Red Bull North America, and then it just kind of um, um, exploded into so many opportunities and, and different things that I wanted to explore in film. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can uh, try to follow up that. I don't know. You, you like the you got like the legit resume. What do you want from me? Uh, no, so I'm from Maryland, not from Baltimore. I moved to Baltimore seven years ago this year um, after I got out the Air Force. Um, I, you know, bounced around Maryland for a little while, ended up settling here in Baltimore. Um, went to school at Towson, finished up there, and um, I met Jamar short, like a, I guess in about my senior year, um, I came and did some research on Six Point Pictures and talked to Jamar and I was actually interviewing him for a project that I was doing um, and I just, we just kind of hit it off. Um, so, so yeah, so um, after that, finished up school and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Awesome. How long were you in the Air Force? Just four years. Where? Um, so I got stationed, my first base shouldn't have been where I was, I was in England and the drinking age there of course is uh, you know 18 so I had a lot of fun I got into some trouble <laughs> and then after that I went to Iraq of course um, and uh, I was there for a little while uh, and then after that I came to California um, I was in Central California at Vandenberg Air Force Base um, it's a little town called Lompoc it, Funny fact, if you listen to uh, any movie where they're referencing like prison, it's either like some, you know, it's either like what, uh, someplace down in LA or it's in Lompoc, California. So that's basically the entire town. It's a military base and the, uh, the prison. Um, so you meet a lot of interesting people in, in the town. There's a lot of different, um, uh, what do you call it? There's a lot of different um, stories we had on different ends of the spectrum. It's kind of cool to just have conversations. Um, so yeah, that's where I was. Uh, so do you know Greenspan from Making Music in Baltimore? I do. Um, actually, I met I met Greenspan's brother. He was a professor of mine at Morgan State University. Okay. And he introduced us uh, knowing that I was doing music 
and then I was recording music and um, so you should meet my brother and then 2005 and uh, it's you know what 11 years later yeah. so what kind of music were you making um, I really don't even know how to categorize it. It was just weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it That's was good. Just, it was just sounds, really, you know, what I was doing. Um, and I don't even know if it has a, a real category. I'm pretty sure it does now. Like, it was <clears> like, if I could try to describe it, it was like trance, hip-hop type, um, pop type music, you know, so... It was really weird. And I was working at a jazz station, so that was mixed what? in. And it was, yeah, man. So you made the Kendrick Lamar album? I did. Before he made it, bro. <laughs> that record, record show. That, that record is so good. So I was a huge, huge fan of Good Kid, Mad City. Um, and then when To Pimp a Butterfly came out, um, it had so much popularity mm -hmm. around it. And mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, ah. Right. Well, there was two things. One, I didn't really, like, I, I guess I'm guilty of being a snob in that way of, like, when the flare-up happens around something, I'm kind of like... Mm, yeah, I understand. Uh, the other thing off. was that it was too dense of a record, and I knew that I really wanted to give it uh, the attention it deserved. Mm. So I didn't want to enjoy it with people that were new <clears> to <throat> him and mm -hmm. talk about it with people that were new to him. And and I just kept being and because everybody was so over like, you know, surface conversation. in love with it. And I'm like, yeah, like you know, I really like the trunk rattle of the first record. Like for me, it was that it was one of the first times that record taught me about what the belligerence of of bass mm -hmm. music is. Like really? it's that it, it, for for whatever reason, and I think it was because like I was playing it so loud, <laughs> and it was I like had such a visceral relationship with the record mm -hmm. that I was normally like rattling, like the trunk panel in my car rattling would drive me insane, mm -hmm. right? Like, because oh. I'm an audio guy. Mm -hmm. So like those kind of like buzzes and stuff, you're just like, oh God, I mean, yeah, it stop. Right. Like I want clean, clean audio. tones. But I was so tied into the record that like I could look past that. And in that lesson, I started to understand like, like, the the punk aesthetic mm -hmm. of of having it be mm -hmm. offensive, right. like like the like everything rattling and buzzing mm -hmm. and like how that's kind of like that's kind of part of it. Like mm -hmm. I, I kind of got this got to this place where I never really thought about it in that context mm -hmm. of like you know backseat like I, I I would I I thought about it as like this like like the Sex Pistols thing in a lot of way where mm -hmm. it wasn't like not punk rock like in the traditional sense but it's mm -hmm. punk rock in the sense that it's like eliciting like like you know like oh you don't like this right yeah <laughs> okay you know what i mean like that's all right with me because right. i wasn't like playing this for you to like it like i'm it, it becomes this like this this personal insular pride kind mm -hmm. of thing so i started to really vibe with that um so i loved his first record but at any rate i just didn't want I didn't want to do the the new one, which I knew was going to be so heavy um, mm -hmm. and so good and so like the depth of it. I was already listening to a lot of like, you know, like I was paying attention to you know Kamasi Washington before that stuff came out, and I was paying attention to you know Thundercat and the whole mm -hmm. kind of like that San Diego jazz scene that was mm -hmm. happening around yeah. it. Um, so I just kind of like put it to the side and I didn't listen to it at all. Like I gave it like a cursory listen and I could tell it was just so deep, deep that yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna onboard this record now mm -hmm. because I don't wanna experience it with people that are looking at it from the limelight point of view. Mm -hmm. And also I wanna give it its own space and time. Mm -hmm. So 
Honestly, like, it's just been the last two weeks that, that I've finally been like, okay, <laughs> let me go you and get what? into it. I don't it. think you're alone in that mm-hmm. because I have the album and I had the album when it came out and <clears throat> I am a avid Kendrick Lamar fan. Um, and, it, and it was like, yeah, when I first heard, I was like, oh, okay, all right. I got too many emails to send right now. I can't really get into this how I want to get into it. And normally how I absorb music and, and information is when I drive. You know, while I'm driving, I get to listen to it and stuff like that. So I wasn't able to do it at that point. But um, but yeah, man, it's like seeing his matriculation from cartoons and cereal all the way to, you know, <coughs> butterflies. Like this guy's a totally different person, you know, or is he? Is he just able he, to? He probably just know. was like, you know, doing the bait and switch on a lot of people. I think I think the thing for me with To Pimp a Butterfly is that that word that you used earlier, it was it was very dense. It was very dense. Yeah. It had so many layers. And right. it was just, you try to listen to it. You can't listen to it like on a Spotify just as one of your next songs because right. it doesn't sound like anything else. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was just one of those things that just, you know, blew my mind. And when you listen to it from start to finish, it's just a whole different experience. I, I really appreciated him for that. And I think, you know, as far as mixing the genres on that album, man. I just appreciated him. I just mm-hmm. appreciated the guy. I just appreciated his whole team for like doing that. There was a really great article that Pitchfork did where they went and talked to all of the session guys. They talked to Kamasi. They talked to, um, I'm forgetting some of their other, I mean, they talked to Thundercat. They talked to, uh, God, I'm forgetting who the pianist, what his name is on, on that record. But they kind of just like, talk to them all independent of each other and just had them talk about what it was like for them to work on the sessions and mm-hmm. some of them didn't have any like for instance I think Kamasi came in and they had an idea for sax on one song mm-hmm. and when he was warming up I think it was probably one of the first times that, that Kendrick had been around like a very adept saxophonist and watched them just kind of like and he was like enthralled by it. And he was just like, "Holy shit! Like, <laughs> you're like that's gonna like that's gonna hit my record." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's the difference in hearing like a, a, a instrument being played versus like a sample of an instrument and that right. visceral thing. And they literally just queued up each track and would just hit record. And he hadn't heard it, and he was just improvising. And he ended up improvising over the entire record. They brought him in to do one song, and it was such an obvious like compliment that he ended up like just tracking over the whole record and that's how a lot of it happened was you know like having a hunch and like bringing the 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 person in and then being like wait this is actually magic and and it ended up pretty like you know like you said like it's so it's such a beautiful thing well i don't know i don't know if you like um when somebody's got like i don't know what it is about like horns like the saxophone or like a trumpet or a trombone or something like that one of my favorite songs like period um, is the live version of Skyscrapers by OK Go. And if you ever listen to it, you got this crazy trombone because mm-hmm. they're down at Tipitina's in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know who they got to do it, but that, just the music on that alone, and then he just goes off with his vocals on that one. And it's just an amazingly, it develops just so well. It was one of my favorite songs. It just blew. It was one of those, you know, the purple smoke. Mm-hmm. You seen those commercials now? What is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens. You know what I mean? Like that. That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that uh, music can do. And the thing with Kendrick Lamar that I think is so cool is that he was able to actually really channel the black aesthetic 
into his music and actually almost create a blueprint for so many genres of music that we help to, you know, pilot and generate, you know, over, you know, decades. And he kind of like brought it all together in this great amalgamation on this album. And, and that's something that we try to do in our work and in our visuals is kind of channel the black aesthetic into our work. Um, some idols that we have that we, uh, that we hope to work with one day, you know, like Bradford Young and Arthur J. Fudd, Khalil <coughs> Underwood and Malik Saeed. These are people that just kind of, that's their goal in their visual um, art, you know, just their, 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 their filmography, if you just watch it. You know, it's just, they've, over time, tried to develop this kind of blueprint for what, how do we look on screen? How does, how do our, how do, how do black people translate in our culture and our history, how does that translate to cinema? And so if you, if you watch the work that we do, that's kind of like how we do it. A lot of the music that we use in our pieces is jazz. A lot of the um, issues that we tackle have primarily to do with um, the black community, but these are social issues. Um, that we choose to use a lens, um, a specific lens to explore. Right. So it's, it's an interesting, when that gets out into the public sphere, it's interesting to see how people react to it. Well, yeah, and, and what it's doing is it's like, it's, it's so important, that kind of stuff is so important, and it's so important to stay um, so deliberately focused on it mm-hmm. because we live in, uh, we live in a culture where like, extreme appropriation right like everything is, is appropriated and it's refocused and sold through like one individual lens right and mm-hmm. that's like the connotation of when something is or isn't legitimate is like when it make it makes it through like the pop culture lens right how we like commodify everything and goes through and that's an ineffective way for for like the world to be because it's talking about one specific version of of the way that anything can be right mm-hmm. like one 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 piece of context that ideas exist in, um, and that's just not uh, that's just not the way that's not that's not reality. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be the way the reality is, is reported, and I think that that's why, you know, that's why the Kendrick record has been so successful in kind of like <clears throat> literally brokering a, a new way for people to think about what what rap music can be, mm-hmm. but also like what social consciousness can be right what being a rapper and being social conscious and being socially conscious and not having it be uh like some hippie shit right Right. you know what i mean like because that that's that's the other problem right with socially conscious rap like what do we think about when you say that like everybody starts talking about tribe and they start Mm -hmm. talking about like Mm -hmm. uh like it's and it exists in this like i mean let's be honest like we're talking about like a version that's like 20 years old at this point so like yeah. let's not talk about it like like tribe is a good context for talking about like socially conscious rap music at this mm-hmm. point because like that shit's two decades old like, right. not that it's not great because it's obviously it's you know those records are gonna be but great, the great forever but the, there's a disconnect in the in in the culture because of the people that are listening to uh, rap now you know they're they're young Kids aren't listening to Tribe. 20, 20 years ago, they don't even know what that is. Right. You know, their music <laughs> came out on tapes. They don't even know what a tape is or where what right, it looks right, like or right. what, how to use it. Right. So, so you know, <laughs> when you talk about that, it, it and not to say that it, it is, it's impossible because a lot of the hip-hop today um, 
it started to sound like back in the day. Yeah. Um, the influence is definitely there. Yeah. So things come full circle. Um, and I say that because there is a lot of influence uh, um, in the culture that is, uh, um, uh, what is the word, cyclical? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it always gonna, it's always gonna come back around mm -hmm. because you have the the uh, the uh, the culture from the from the fathers or parents or whoever mm -hmm. introducing it to their kids. But more importantly, and relating to Kendrick and what you were saying about our film, it's about the feeling and the emotion and what's being discussed. Because in the Kendrick piece, um, in any of them, uh, let's let's take Good Kid, Mad City for example. It was very visual. You mm -hmm. can see the yeah. whole thing yeah. happen from beginning to end. Even the the sound of the car. Totally, you know. Skits, so yeah. it's super it, it cinematic. Was, it it yeah. took you there, and it it made you feel <clears throat> a certain way. And that's you know, and, and and radio and audio is is defined as the theater of the mind. So that's what we try to do mm -hmm. within that kind of stuff. So I I totally. It's like <laughs> it is emotional when you listen to that, especially sing about me. You know what I mean? That song. Right. I don't even know how many men I know was like, yeah, man, that was, that was deep, man. You know what I mean? Like, we having circle sessions and whatnot, you know, because of that, that kind of song. Because it made you feel that way, mm -hmm. you know. And that's the plateau that we try to attain and, and reach when, we, when we're doing film and when we're interviewing these people that are doing great things in their community. Because just, just like uh, the domestic violence piece or the homeless youth piece that we did um, or the childhood PTSD piece that we did that involved Baltimore people the same thing is happening all the way across the country in like Compton you know what I mean because we have the same issues mm -hmm. we got poverty we got crime we got violence we got you know what I mean corruption we got all that yep. so these things exist across the globe you know and um, and that I, mean, I, I guess that takes us into goodness Baltimore you yeah. know um, and that's that's the kind of issues that we try to tackle um, because it relates to so many people, man. It's like collective storytelling, but not necessarily with this literal version of a collective, so much as like the collective consciousness mm -hmm. and like what struggles that it that right. it that it that it, it has, and kind of right. how those are you know nationally or globally represented. Right. I mean, like, how does your typical news outlet choose what stories to tackle? Sometimes, you know, a lot of you know, I have you know, I also work for Al Jazeera um, English, uh, and. Um, a lot of the work that we do, a lot of documentaries that they, we produce over there, um, you know, they're very uh, socially conscious. They're very, you know, these are issues that are ha aren't really talked about in depth. Um, but it's a lot of times it's like trending topics with most news outlets. You know, you can't right. really say that for most news outlets that are like tackling issues that aren't really talked about. A lot of news outlets they choose they choose what's popular right now and create a story around that, or they'll just keep feeding the fire. You know right. what I mean? So the thing is with uh, Good News Baltimore, um, you know, it's it, it, these are very, these are issues that have been, you know, existing for years now. You know, these are, these are issues that have persisted um, somehow through, through all of these ups and downs in our economy, you know, and I think that, you know, if we're talking about lead, lead paint poisoning, why is there still an issue with lead paint poisoning? Like, come on. In the homes, not, not, not the right, Flint not situation. Flint. That's, right, a, that's a different thing, but having it still in homes is like, come on. Yeah. It's why? Just, sure. why is that an issue? And why, you know, so, so, you know, we're not being like hypercritical of the issue. It's like, so first of all, I want to make sure that people understand we are solution based uh, right. with our, with our information that we're, we produce. Um, so we'll show, we're exploring an issue cinematically and then 
will connect you with somebody during our interview portion that can help you become part of the solution. Right. And that's what we're very much interested in doing. That's why we're here, you know, talking to you in the first place because you guys do that kind of work too. Like you guys are interested in providing solutions for the Baltimore economy, and right. that's awesome. And starting a dialogue around yeah. it. Right. And, and and let's let's connect with more people like that. And for the record, the time has come now. You guys, there's no more this the time for silos. All that stuff is done. Time for you being inside your house and hoping somebody else will get the work done is done. No. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. You got to get out here in the streets yeah. and you got to do something if you want to if you want to see something Some change. change. Yep. You know, you have to do it. So that's what we're doing with Good News Baltimore. We're we're activating our just our resources, what we know how to do well, to to affect change. Right. And and everybody should be doing the same thing. One of my favorite, like not one of my favorite, my favorite sentence that I heard last year was when we were at the beginning of talking about the MRCDC and not the beginning for them, the beginning of my involvement, which is, you know, five, six months at max at this point. And we were standing in Rich May's living room and he had like all these people over to like talk about what it was, you know, like the planning committee around it. And he's like talking to the whole room and everyone is like wrapped you know what I mean like they're totally because everybody that's involved in that project at that point is super intimate right like it's all community members and all people that own homes in his neighborhood and that kind of thing and he goes you know like what we're ta- what we're talking about is what does it mean to be a citizen and I was like holy shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. like literally that like but when, when you get to that place where someone can so simply distill the root of the idea, which is literally like, you know, like, what is it to walk out your door and have the person next to you walk out their door and look at them and engage in some way? Like, we're talking about these, like, basic, fundamental building blocks of, like, how society is organized. Yeah. Yeah. And we've lost the path to that most fundamental thing, which is literally engage, like, what does it mean mm-hmm. to participate in the actual physical space with the other people that share it with you like what does that like what does that mean and like by the way i'll tell you what that means it just means saying hi right (laughs) it just means acknowledging someone um and you know i think the thing that i've come to realize is uh and and it's our strongest asset in this is that that thing is what everybody also wants yeah so all we got to do is break through the paper wall mm-hmm. of, of figuring out how to make that happen mm-hmm. because it's what you know it's what 97% of people want. They just mm-hmm. want to be able to talk to everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I know that that's what I want like all day Why long live? just to talk to people. Why live in a city if you don't want to be connected to people? Right. Totally. <laughs> totally. I mean and and you know, you think about how how like fundamentally simple that is when you start moving it because what's great about it is like that's not like I tried and we'll see how it turns out in six months, right? Mm-hmm. It's like six seconds later. Like yeah. either they ignore you, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like just do it again. Next mm-hmm. person probably won't. Like chances mm-hmm. are really good that you got that person out of the way for the day. Um, <laughs> but the other side is that the person that you're going to have an impact on them for a minute for the day. And they're going to be like, why'd that person talk to me? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be like, well, that wasn't so bad. Like, <laughs> maybe I'll try it too. Right. right? Like, I mean, you talk about leading by example. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, we're just talking about being civil. 
yeah. with other human beings. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually really easy. And once you know that you can do it, then it's like snowball rolling down the hill. Like it gets easier and easier and easier. So it's cool to hear you kind of pull it apart in that way. Mm-hmm. Hey. Um, so we started talking about good news, but for everyone that's out there listening, what is Good News Baltimore? It's a, a online platform that explores initiatives and issues that are based specifically in Baltimore City. Um, and we highlight these uh, initiatives that are attacking the issues, the people that are in the communities, community organizations and nonprofits, the individuals that are taking charge of what they feel can be changed and what they're doing. Excuse me, so that way they can show these best practices to the rest of the city residents and basically ask for their involvement. You know, we're, we're trying to expose what they're doing so that way we can bring about a dialogue for change and using that as a catalyst uh, um, and, um, and hopefully that can spread throughout the entire country, you know, because the issues that we talk about don't just exist exclusively in Baltimore. The city makeup defines that, you know, it, it's like I said before, it's similar to all kinds of different cities across America. So the, the issues that exist here, uh, um, you know, are basically the exact same in a different geographic area. Um, so these best practices that they're doing can be applied anywhere. So that's that's what Good News Baltimore is, and it just so happens that it makes a good show, <laughs> it makes a good uh, web series. Awesome. So I know that I've heard you say a lot about inclusivity, mm-hmm. about this intentional inclusivity uh, and where that like how important that is for the vehicle that you that you guys are operating in mm-hmm. and kind of like I wanted to know if you like talk a little bit about that like what, what does that because I think that that's like a big teaching lesson that we have the opportunity yeah. to do which is like and maybe you don't add the intentional one to it maybe you just talk about inclusivity we add it on because we recognize we're operating in Baltimore mm-hmm. and that um, the way that our that our lives work that unless we're actively figuring out ways to like upset the paradigm and then we'll keep running rolling down the same avenue so for us it has to be intentional because otherwise you know like you can hope in your heart all day long to to like behave differently but you know like history will show unless you're doing specific things to change Mm -hmm. the way like humans start to behave when they get into a group we're not going to do it so but I think um, I think the best place to start with that answer is <clears throat> where I met you, which was um, over at the ETC right. uh, during um, during the kickoff for uh, for for Baltimore Innovation Week. Um, uh, our friends that uh, technically invited us over to kind of take uh, part in the stakeholders' breakfast, and we got to meet a lot of good people over there, um, and we had a conversation. But the thing that came out of it, you know, what uh, Chris Wink. Uh, over there, the editor-in-chief at Technically, he, he said, um, he said, what are the issues in Baltimore City? What's the main issue in Baltimore? And literally everybody at the table started talking about siloing, these silos that are in Baltimore City. And I thought that was really interesting because these are people that are doing good work in their own right, but everybody's saying, you know, it's really hard to kind of work, you know, communicate, or people are unwilling to communicate, or you just, you know, you just find some kind of difficulty in, in moving that forward. So if it's hard for people doing business that have resources in, in Baltimore City, how difficult must it be for people that don't have any kind of connection to the business community in Baltimore City, that have no path forward to the business community in Baltimore City? And 
quite frankly, there's a lot of people who don't really want, um, you know, a certain part of the city to have access to those kind of resources. And that's been, and that's just, you know, that's not me just spouting. That's like you look at the research, the data, it's actually there. Like these resources aren't being made available to a large part of the city. So what we're talking about with inclusivity is how do you, how do you connect resources to a community that doesn't have them, doesn't have a gateway to receive them? How do you do that? And who's going to do the work necessary to do that? So what I find exciting is that there's so many people right now, so many organizations right now, actually trying to do that work and make those resources possible. Now that we're talking about this greater idea of inclusivity, we actually can pull together resources, people, businesses, and then the community city like citywide across the city we can like pull all of these things together and create a great commu uh, community for just you know ideas and you know work you know entrepreneurship um, volunteering uh, just job training it's it's awesome so the the, the hope um, with the behind this whole idea of inclusivity is that we can actually make a change today you know that will affect generations to come. So I think mm -hmm. that's where that's where we need to head. That's beautiful, man. Um, so what's up? What's next? What's happening? I know that we're we're gonna we're gonna lay some plans collectively, but those are are too young to even be hinting <laughs> at yet. But I know that you guys have a lot of right. plans coming up. What, what's what's happening in 2016 for the team? Well, uh, starting with Good News Baltimore, we are. Um, Doing, we're coming out with our, our second season um, in, in spring of 2016. And um, prior to that, uh, we're going to be doing an event uh, called Good News Baltimore Live, GMB Live. And that's a, um, a three location tour around the city where we're taking our show out of the studio and bringing it into these different communities to invite the community in, engage them, and have that conversation. You know, have these deep, intense conversations about what's going on, who's doing what, how can I connect with them so that way we can make change. You know, I can see change, I can be a part of the change because people value that, that's the ownership, mm -hmm. you know, that we talk about, you know, uh, um, having ownership in, in <laughs> not just where you live, but you know, what you do, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, and uh, GMB Live, uh, uh, we're going to uh, tackle um, several different issues and we're gonna have the underlying theme of one year later after the uprising. And, you know, we're gonna examine the progress. What were the different uh, avenues of progress in, in housing and um, opportunity and, you know, in everything. Change, you know, with, uh, um, with the city, change with the residents, change with everything. So, um, you know, we're inviting people to that so that way we can, you know, have that conversation going and then continue it after. You know, it's not just for that one time, it's to it start, engage and then start that conversation. So that way we can continue to examine mm -hmm. and look at ways that we can continue to progress from there. Right. So, I mean, I would, I would totally invite, I mean, we've got panels picked out, but the whole thing is that we want this to be like uh, a conversation, mm -hmm. a community conversation. So people that come out, if you, even if we don't have you on the panel, you will have an opportunity Time. to yeah. talk mm -hmm. about, you know, A, what you're doing in the community, if, if, it's an, uh, if it's an issue that interests you, that you're already doing work on you can you know come and talk about what you're doing you know, what you're doing currently and you can share information really 
really just want to give people an opportunity to talk about you know what they're doing and how the people can help them do more of that you know because if you're doing good work we're trying to we're here to support you you know uh, in any way possible this is just the attitude that we've, yeah. we've we have now um so like i said i would invite people to come out speak your piece you know um and you know listen to what other what other people have to say on the subject engage um, in dialogue yeah yep. and 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 you know and connect and collab from there Awesome. Even if we're not even involved, you know, right. we want right. people to, <laughs> right. to work together. That's the, you know, yeah. uh, um, inclusive totally. nature that we're trying to create. One of the things that I'm starting to realize now is that I, as I'm getting more tuned in, mm. I can see a lot of things that need to happen. Mm. And, like, I don't want to be, like, I'm trying to figure out how I don't set up, like, a puppet government but I also don't have to be responsible for doing it. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, this needs to happen or this needs to happen. But so what, you know, like what the goal is, is like spend more time in the community and meet more people who mm-hmm. you can see in their eyes that they want to be responsible mm-hmm. for something like that. You know, like these other, you know, like I think that we have a, there's a ton of space to do things like good news or things like startup mm-hmm. soiree that happen for lots of different age brackets and, uh, like specific types of business people or people that like music mm-hmm. or people that are trying to produce art or mm-hmm. people like all of these different groups. Like I think that harnessing that community through like month, you know, recurring monthly events, whether it's like, um, you know, creative mornings is a great example, like more of that kind of stuff yeah. happening in, in, more dynamic places in the city and taking people you know like that's one of our goals with soiree was like let's take people all over the city and let's not take them to the places that like they go to like let's take them to places that we think are really cool yeah. and we want we want everyone else to look through our lens of how we see these different parts of town and how much we love like how much we really love them i mean nick and i literally cruise around west baltimore in his pickup truck all the time just having you know like we have to get out of here because you can't have sensitive business conversations in here with our employees <laughs> over our elbow and we just go cruise and like you know we cruise Monroe we cruise Fulton it's one of the reasons I can talk about like oh like that theater with the roof falling in like mm-hmm. like Nick I'm I had been saying for years I want to like open up like a small theater there mm-hmm. and like what would it be like if we started taking a block back but not with like a Chipotle but with like a community run movie theater like what would that be like if there was a movie theater on Monroe like maybe it wouldn't work but it also might work work. and then that genius is like fuck like the fuck were you doing it like let's just empty it out and make it safe and then have it be like an open air Mm -hmm. theater where we're just broadcasting on the Mm -hmm. back and like yeah we can only do stuff there when like the weather is good but like what would that be like where it's like this like theater slash park or like mm, a terrace or like it available for families in the area yeah, I mean during the day people could like <laughs> whatever hang out there and the, like those kind of things so this is a great place for us to wrap it up and that is the perfect call to action so mm-hmm. tell people wh- how do they get involved for the Good News Baltimore Live how, how do they come down where's the best place to reach out to you guys to get in touch and, and maybe follow along mm-hmm. you know what, what are the Instagram handles that type of info our, uh, the best way to get in touch with us to find out more about GMB Live and to stay in contact, keep in touch with what we're going, what what we're putting out uh, through Good News Baltimore, is to follow us on social media, um, Good News Baltimore on uh, on Facebook, Instagram, 
and uh, um, and you can find us on Twitter as well. And we'll be putting out an Eventbrite for people to sign up and attend the free GMB Live event. You know, so um, that will be out no later than this week. Actually, hmm. we're putting that out uh, later this week. So so that'll be available for people to sign up. Um, yeah, actually, and um, and you can everyone can tune in to the uh, um, to our Periscope to check out the artist spotlight. Um, that will be uh, um, March third and fourth. And by the way, you should come past the studio. Yeah. During that and, and check that out. That's going to mm-hmm. be a um, a really nice event. I don't know if you've seen our artist spotlight before, but it's a uh, an, um, a full day of filming where we invite about six bands down and they perform. And we interviewed them and all kinds of stuff. I saw the video. That was the one you showed me. It was the Mm -hmm. last one that I think you guys had done. Mm -hmm. Um, So I saw a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. We're doing that on March 3rd and 4th. Awesome. So feel free to come down. Awesome. And I think it's going to be a pretty good day. So, and the other thing that we'll do uh, before we go uh, out of the physical space is make sure that you have Jolie's uh, email because Mm -hmm. we'll syndicate all of that stuff or okay. to soiree for sure so like the email list and social and all that kind of thing nice um, but also there will be some places that it, we can make it relevant on the pixelated channels mm-hmm. we're all about lever- like it's always about leverage yeah. like give me your content so we can like send it out to our <laughs> um, Jamar Tabore thank you for spending some time talking about what you guys do talking about Kendrick um, <laughs> they're literally I like I never get a chance to like geek out on music talk with people anymore and I largely am either listening to like jazz records these days or I'm listening to rap music. Um, so like I went and talked with the um, this guy, his brand is Creative King. Mm. Do you know that guy? He makes the mm. baseball hats. No. Uh, they sell them up at 16 tons. Um, really awesome dude. And we sit down in his living room to start like, and I hit record and I look over and he's got a copy of the Mad Villain record sitting there. And we just start like, geeking out about it and he's like you know they're making another one I'm like yeah sure like they've been making another one for like a decade (laughs) and then I was like just like the you know the Ghostface Doom record he's like yeah so we're like literally freaking out and I look over and I'm like I'm just gonna leave all that and I was like like, hold on and I did the whole opening and then we went right back to it and I left all that pre-roll on so the way that podcast starts is like the music fades down and it's just him and I talking about MF Doom and then, like, at one point, I'm like, hang on a second. And then I open it up, and I do, like, the ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the... So I, that's my favorite part. And, you know, the other great part is all of this now is also going to be on it um, because I'm going to close it out right now. Um, so on behalf of our community, thanks for helping to tell your stories. Yeah, we're lo- you for we're looking forward to working yeah. with you guys and all cool your stuff, projects man. more and more and helping to make Baltimore incredible. I appreciate it, man. Definitely. You know. All right, people, you got it. Um, I know that that one was super fun. I'm willing to bet that you can hear us smiling over here because that's the way these great podcast interviews go when we end up talking with people that we're really excited to be um, moving chains with in the city. You can feel it. Um, so please, I encourage all of you to tune in to Good News Baltimore. Get your uh, bodies off the couches and come out to the live events. Um, help support what these guys are doing. Um, it's really important that they get bodies in the room and they get people talking about what they're doing so we can help more people in the world find out about the really incredible stuff that's happening here in Baltimore. Uh, if you haven't yet, please make sure you hit the subscribe button, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. We're in all those spaces. Also, you can find us on YouTube so you can listen from your cubicle at work. If you have a few spare moments, head over to the iTunes store, leave us a quick review, let the world know what it is that you find fascinating about the Startup Soiree podcast. 
Your reviews help us get more listeners for the incredible people that we're telling stories about here regularly. Um, Okay, this is your host, Patrick Reif. I'm signing off. Keep taking care of each other. Peace.